Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. For this week, this episode, along with the next, goes along with mental health for not only first responders, but also any family members, close loved ones, and friends. My hope is the information and conversations shared can be kept and stored in the back of your mind and make you a little more aware of any potential future signs or dangers. I hope you all enjoy. Good morning. My name is Crystal Hobbs. And I am coming to you today uh, with Danny from on behalf of Team Man's uh, Foundation and the Team Man's 5K that we host annually. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about our story and how we got here and why we host the 5K. So um, we have two beautiful children. I have a daughter, Raven, who is now 25. And we have Tristan, um, who is forever 15 now. He took his life by suicide five years ago. Um, and it really came as a shock to all of us. Um, and it came to us out of the blue. Uh, just Tristan had been diagnosed at the age of five with ADD. And it affected his um, executive function skills in the frontal lobe that had to do with day-to-day activities, um, you know, uh, how he interacts with people. So impulsive behavior, poor problem-solving skills, you know, um, you know, things like that. And he had a really hard time concentrating in school and also finishing, um, tasks on time. Uh, so he called me, it was January the, um, the 16th in 2018, which is actually on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And they were at a school, they're getting ready for their exams. And he had been studying at home and he called me about two o'clock to ask me how my day was going asked me what he could do to get supper started, uh, what he could set the clothes on to wash a load of clothes for me before I got home. He sounded fine. Um, we had a conversation and then I told him I loved him and he was, then we got off the phone. Well, then I got home and my, my husband was at home and I was like getting home. Cause I went by the grocery store cause we we're supposed to be getting snow that afternoon. You know how it is around here. You know, you gotta get <laughs> oh, while wow, there's bread and milk. <laughs> right. Right. So I, um, went by the grocery store and ran a couple of errands before I got home. And I had left my cell phone at home that day. So I couldn't get a hold of him before to let him know that I was running late. When I got home, Michael was home and I said, where's Tristan? And he said, I thought he was with you. And I said, no, um, I tried calling him from another phone to let him know I was running behind. I said, I never got a hold of him. And he said, Crystal, I don't know where he's at. I said, you're kidding, right? He said, no. So anyway, we um, looked around outside and, Michael and my Michael and Tristan had both been uh, turkey hunting that previous weekend, not, not turkey hunting, just going down to the hunt club and they had gone, um, you know, just walking around and everything. Maybe it was duck hunting. I can't remember, but anyway, uh, they, they had some guns outside that they had gotten out of, out of Tristan's truck. And Michael goes, Tri- Michael goes, Crystal, one of, one of, he goes, Tristan's gun is gone. And I said, oh, no. And then I knew in my heart and in my gut something was wrong. It was going to be probably a bad outcome. So anyway, we went outside and we we were yelling for him, you know, and everything. We're like, where are you at? We called some neighbors, called his best friend that lives down the driveway um, in the neighborhood beside of our house to see if he had been at his house and just didn't tell me because he did that from time to time. And uh, when they told me he had, they hadn't heard from him or seen him all day, I knew again I was like this is gonna be bad so then we went behind our house we've got some woods and Tristan had taken his life in the woods behind our house and my husband found him and he said don't come over here he goes this is really bad he goes just call my dad so we called my father-in-law who lives not far from us so um his Michael's dad was there and then one of our friends that actually works for the fire department and she's been a first responder and um, everything. She was the first one to come to offer comfort and, and um, you know, solace, trying to figure out what happened. And then, so then it was like, you know, a Lifetime movie unfolded in my yard. It was right. uh, uh, fire trucks. It was ambulance. It was police officers. It was the F, you know, um, detectives coming. And then, of course, you know, they separated me and Michael to ask us our story and how, you know, what, what we had experienced that day 
and everything. And to be honest, we didn't even we didn't even see his suicide note that he left. He left us a note and it was sweet, short and sweet like him. It said, Mom and Dad, I'm sorry, I can't do this anymore. I love you, Tristan. And we didn't even find that. The, you know, the detectives found that when they went through his effects. Mm-hmm. So you know, we were just in shock and everything, but I have to say that in the middle of all the chaos, I just remember to myself, these are the questions I had. How did we get here? What did I miss? And what could we have done differently? Mm-hmm. You know, and these are the three questions I had. Well, there was a police officer from the town of Mooresville that was there and he was very calm and he, he I will never forget this. And I, he knows who he is. And I shared this story. And I said, I know everybody, you know, people have their own story with dealing with police officers, but I'm going to tell you, in our case, I needed to hear his voice, his voice and his demeanor was the calm amidst the chaos. And I asked him those three questions and he grabbed my hand, very calm. And he said, Crystal, unfortunately, sometimes bad things happen to good people. And this is one of these times he goes, and you are not going to get the answer, the answers you're looking for. And you're going to have to be okay with that. Well. His words rang true. It's been five years and I still don't have the answers that I so desperately were needing at the time. And um, I just have to say, I thank God for the family that we have and the family support and our community support that we received. Because like I said, this came out of nowhere. And I'm telling you, I thought, you know, you hear about suicide, you hear about mental health and you think, oh, it will never happen in my family. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, this was my attitude. My, I'm close to my, my children. We have a close relationship. We spend a lot of time together. If my, my, if, my, um, if my kids were having a difficult time or if my spouse was having a difficult time, they would come to me. They would let me know. You know we had these open, honest you know, conversations all the time on a daily basis. That is not, that is not always the case. We cannot wait to get educated on mental health until there is a death by suicide. Because what I've learned through becoming a mental health advocate and in our own journey and my own wellness, because I developed uh, clinical depression on after losing Tristan, where I could not get out of bed for days. I was in a fetal position, just balled up, crying, couldn't even shower. And then I actually had my sisters and some of our close friends come pull me out of bed and say, you're getting up today. You're going, you're, they walk me literally to the shower, which was maybe 10 steps from the bed. And they go, you're getting a shower crystal. You're getting your clothes on and you're going to meet me at the table and we're going to have a sit down. You don't have to talk to me, but you're getting up. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, to be honest, uh, you know, first of all, if anybody has ever lost anybody to a suicide, it is a different kind of death. There is guilt associated with it. Um, I had, I personally developed self-hate. I just thought that I failed my, my um, child desperately because as a mother, it is my responsibility to pre- to protect my children at all costs. I would, you know, as a mom, we were taught, we would lay down our lives. We would go through, we would move mountains. We would go through hell and back for our babies. And I would have done that for either one of my kids. But, you know, for some reason, Tristan, whether he didn't realize what he was going through, couldn't verbalize, didn't know what he needed, felt like he couldn't ask for help. He didn't ask for help. So um, I have made up my life mission now to become more involved with uh, mental health advocacy, educating our community about mental health, about uh, just how to deal with stress you know, how to ask for help, how to help somebody who asks for help. Um, we, we started the 5k at Mooresville high school because I wanted to get, try to get the youth involved because Tristan played sports. He, well, he played football. The child never picked up a football till sixth grade. He's one of those kids didn't know what he wanted to do. Uh, wanted to join the football team. So thank goodness he made the football team at uh, the middle school then he was third string football player at Mooresville high school hardly never saw you know stepped on the turf which I, I knew he wasn't going to be an NFL player he's five six 120 pounds soaking wet I'll <laughs> star right here's the thing is if it would help him be around other gentlemen other young men that knew the game that could just help include him, be part of something, be part of that, that man group or that male group 
you know, to look after each other and form a camaraderie. That's really what I was looking for. Um, but then it was also brought to my attention that, you know, I'm not going to call names, but the football coach at the time was also bullying him during weightlifting class mm-hmm. in front of his peers, you know, and this came about when I was going over to the school and had a conversation about why he was uh, not going to weightlifting class for five days. It's because that's how he dealt with stress was avoidance. Avoidance is a symptom of stress. So anyway, we got to the bottom of that. I didn't have any more issues because, you know, we had to have a coming to, you know, have a coming to crystal meeting about that. But this is an adult who is a mentor to young men and children, and he is bullying a 15 year old. Uh, why? And knowing that Tristan struggled in school. I mean, come on, let's let's be let's be a human being. You know, not every child that you coach is going to make it to the pros. Not all of them, not all of them are going to make it on, to college on a football scholarship or an athletic scholarship. Just meet them where they are and just try to, you know, mentor them and be a positive influence on them. That would have been, right. that would have been a great thing. But, um, you know, but I found out too that mental health and depression is not a one, is not a one thing that takes somebody over the edge. What it usually is, is it's, it usually starts with a diagnosis, undertreated, underdiagnosed, that is not brought to, to light to where somebody can ask for help. So my, my goal now is, like I said, how do we get people to ask for help? So we started the 5K. I wanted to use this as a platform for people that are struggling, that have been in a, in a, um, in a position of darkness, that, that saw the light, that got help that got the treatment they needed. They're still alive. They have a, a fulfilling life. You know, it's, you know, mental health is like no other, no different from any other diagnosis from cancer or high blood pressure or heart disease. You know, what people don't realize is when people's in a minute is in a mental health crisis, it's a heart attack in the head, not a heart attack from the, in the chest. So when first responders and our medical, you know, people that are first ones on the scene with a mental health crisis need to understand you need to, first of all, make sure that that person is safe from self-harm or harming others. So usually if they're in a, um, in a suicide and a mental health crisis, they will turn inward or outward. And some people, you know, in their, in a mental health crisis will want to, I hate to say this, but want to uh, die by cop suicide. It happens Mm -hmm. frequently. Right. So we need to be cognizant of that. But, you know, more importantly is the daily routines and the daily things that we can do as a, as an individual to find our own wellness and balance, because even though we may not have a mental health disorder like PTSD or ADD or ADHD, or, you know, just, um, or bi- bipolar one or two disorder or just sad, which is seasonal uh, anxiety disorder, which is very common too. And this is why uh, suicide is right is higher in the spring than in the winter, because depression will start in the winter And then when spring comes and things come back to life, they have the energy to follow through with their thought process. Okay. Um, That's why, you know, spring and May is one of the reasons why May is mental health awareness day Well, month is because it's spring. And that's when people start, you know, have their energy to follow through if they're having suicidal ideation to maybe follow through with it. So, um, you know, Mooresville is doing a good job of, you know, becoming more aware of mental health. You know, they're, they're, um, they're, they've got some resources they put together through a resource guide. And then, like I said, with our 5K, we try to bring the community together to celebrate the lives that we've lost, celebrate the lives we still have with us that have struggled with mental health and suicidal ideation and maybe, you know, for the loved ones we've lost by suicide. Also, the foundation uh, with the money that we that we have raised from the past five uh, five case is to help people get the help that they need. So, say somebody needs to go see a, a therapist or uh, get um, inpatient treatment or get medication, they can't afford it or don't know where to start. We will we will provide the financial resources that they may need, and they can contact me on our um, on our website at tmans5k.com. Or in my my or text me by my phone number. My phone number is also on our website or on okay. Facebook. We also have a Facebook page, Team Man Five K, on Facebook. So those are the three rev- avenues that people can find us. And then on top of that, um, I also got 
uh, involved with NAMI, uh, Lake Norman Iredale. And NAMI is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And what NAMI does is in our local community is have peer support groups. We have family support groups. We also have home front classes. We actually have a home front class right now that we're hosting, thankfully, uh, thankfully to Richard's Coffee House. It's a six-week six class. And this is to uh, educate and offer support for our veterans and our military men and women who have served or serving or, or or have been, you know, brought back to civil back to becoming a civilian on how to deal with, you know, their trauma and their mm-hmm. experience that they have gone through in service. And just know that when, you know, as a as a military family, when we send our daughter or our son or our loved one into service, they don't come back the same person they were right. when they were home. So there is some grief involved with that because it is a new normal when they get back to the home. So it helps, you know, deal with our with our loved ones on they don't have to talk about what they've seen. They don't have to talk about the trauma, but we can also just see the differences just to make sure that we support them in a healthy, supportive way. Because studies do show that people that have a mental health diagnosis and uh, have suicidal ideation, their success rate of living is is due to having a healthy, supporting, natural peer support, which is family, church, home, um, friends that they have, you know, close relationships with, support groups, even through NAMI.org, they have outreach programs like that. Iredale County also has a great resource, Partners Behavioral Health. They are our um, mental health management. They do a great job of helping individuals find resources and interim help for um, financial, you know, support and also for clinic clinical support. Because they have a they have an 800 number too, a, a toll free number that is um, answered every day, 24 seven by trained professionals. So, and then we also want to make sure that people know about 988. Uh, we had some training on our 988 number. It has gotten great response. They have been able to diffuse um, suicidal ideation and mental health crisis over the phone. Less than 1% of the population that's called in needed hospitalization. So that is huge. Okay. Um, With your extensive background now of, you know, getting all this information, I would say the, the typical question that would probably be asked is, do you think that there are warning signs, you know, that an individual might show before they actually go through with this? Yes. Thank you, Danny. That is a great question. There are warning signs and not all of them are going to be direct warning signs. Some of them could be indirect warning signs. And I will say, at you know, I've had five years now looking back, you know, things you start seeing things, you know, with awareness and education that you maybe didn't see then. I can say Tristan did have an outburst of an emotion where he couldn't control like his uh, frustration. Um, It was one time I thought that it was due to a movie that we saw that upset him. And then um, he also became very uh, interested or very willfully wanting to go to church. Like he couldn't miss church for about three weeks. Any change in our loved one's behavior with maybe, um, any kind of like avoidance or a change in their behavior that wasn't there. Like say, for instance, Tristan, we went to church, but it wasn't like, we have to go. Like we, like I gotta be there, mm-hmm. you know? Well, it was, but it wasn't at that time. So, um, but you know, these are things to look for definitely like any outburst, um, people giving away their prized possessions coming out to you and, um, you know, saying that, you know, we, you would be better off without me being here or I, I right. should just, um, you know, and I guess maybe in my ignorance at the time is I was expecting, um, you know, maybe him coming out right and saying, I'm not doing well. I'm thinking about taking my life, which leads to the next question. So say, for instance, if we are that person that somebody says, I'm having these thoughts of suicidal ideation, you know, you would be better off without me being here. How do we, how yes. do we deal in yeah. a comment? Okay. So we're going to get, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what QPR teaches, which is question, persuade, and refer method. One thing we want to do is remain calm. It is a scary, it is a scary thing. It is a scary topic. And, um, but here's the thing is, if we talk about it, it will, it will bring them 
the person at ease that's going through this. So it's actually going to make them feel better. I know that doesn't make sense to somebody who doesn't feel that way, but it's the, it's that our, our studies show that. So when we want to say, okay, so you're saying that you're having a bad time, you know, can you, can you tell me a little bit about what's been going on in your life lately? Okay. So you listen, listen intently. Don't interrupt them. Let them talk. Don't rush them. Number two is we want to ask them, do you have a method? If they have a method, then we want to listen to that, you know, whatever that method is. And then three, we want to ask, do you have a timeline? Now, if they have a timeline, I want to just, just let you guys know, this is a 911. This is a crisis moment. So we want to get them help. So we want to then ask them, will you let me help you get help that you need? Because you need, you, you need to talk to somebody professionally. So one, we want to, the best thing to do is take them to um, a behavioral clinic. If it's close by, like the Steve Smith Foundation now is open 24-7. To me, that would be better than taking somebody to the ER because if they go to Lake Norman Regional or they go to Davis Hospital, they're going to be transferred to, you know, another inpatient treatment, or they're going to be put on suicide watch for 24 hours, which sometimes they don't need to be in a bed for 24 hours. They may just need to talk to somebody mm-hmm. or they can call 988 or they can go and they can text help to 741741 if they don't want to talk to somebody and they feel comfortable texting somebody. But the main thing is, is that we want to help. We want to make sure that they follow through with getting a professional to get involved with diffusing the situation. A lot of times, though, we need to be cognizant that once they talk about it, that that moment may have passed and they may never have another moment of suicidal ideation. They just were overwhelmed at that time with whatever was going on in their life and they didn't know how to deal with it all, all at the moment. Um, and it could be that you know, they're, they're seeing it, you know, they have a therapist that they're seeing and maybe their diagnosis has changed. Maybe the medication has changed. You know, our bodies change all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that with Tristan, he was on medication at the time and he was getting ready to have a big growth spurt. He probably maybe needed to have his medicine changed. Um, he, and he could have maybe had another diagnosis that started because it's not uncommon for ADHD to actually bring in another disorder, you know, through puberty, through the puberty through the uh, pubescent years. So, you know, um, I'm not a professional. I'm only a parent and a volunteer that has just, you know, this is what I see. This is what I've learned through going through the QPR training multiple times, becoming a QPR certified trainer um, and just educating myself and working with different mental health agencies. So definitely, you know, there are warning signs. And just like I said, don't just look for the direct signs, just and be aware of the the indirect signs. So maybe if somebody was happy, maybe they're sad. But here's another thing. If they're sad and they become happy, that's also a red flag. Some people think that depression is sadness. I have a video of Tristan two weeks before he took his life. He was having a great time. He just had a sleepover with his with his guy friends. They were, you know, having a big time a, a week before he made his life in a decision. They don't have to be sad. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be like just tears and depression where, you know, there's, there's outward signs of just the sadness. Mm-hmm. There's also the euphoria that is also a red flag that we don't know to look for because we don't know that that is also a symptom right. of, of what's going on. Right. Okay. Okay. I didn't, I never looked at it that way because I always thought usually whenever depression was usually a sign of, you know, someone's always sad, gloomy, but yeah, that totally makes sense. Totally Mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, And so with, with my field, I can tell you anytime somebody mentions the word like mental health, it's, or, or, you know, if, if they check into a, to a facility because they're not feeling well, it's always looked at as a stigma, a bad stigma. And that's, that's not, that's not always the case because I mean, nowadays, especially here recently through the media, you have heard of um, professional athletes, well-known individuals who have admitted, listen, like this fame comes with a price and a lot of them have, have had mental health issues and they're trying to get rid of that stigma to shine a light on it where to let other people know, like, it's not 
bad. It, it, it's for, for some people, it's a good thing to get it out because it would help others who may be hiding in the shadows with these issues. Yep. I agree. You know, and here's the thing is we, we just feel, you know, and I, I'm going to speak for myself. So for myself, just like with Robin Williams, you know, mm-hmm. he's a, he is a prime example of how somebody who's funny, he's famous, you know, he's just a funny man. He makes us laugh. He makes other people feel happy. Here, we had no idea. I had no idea he was struggling. Well, with his demeanor, my son, he was kind of like a common day Robin Williams. He was the class clown, the funny one, the goofy one. You know, he was always giving, you know, giving out hugs. I mean, he gave me a hug every day. And I think that he was so conscientious about making others feel good that that he forgot about taking care of himself. So, you know, I want to move into that too. So how can we take care of ourselves on a daily basis? When I uh, do any kind of a class or even at the end of a QPR uh, class, what I do is there are six factors of living well. And um, I'm going to pull this up. Well, Mm -hmm. I'll pull it. So one of them is um, social. So we want to have, again, we want to have one person that we can rely on in our lives. That is our, that is our person. That's like our coach, you know, somebody who can be there to give, you know, not to, not to give us a pass, but to say, okay, you know, you got to, I understand where you are, but you got to get, you got to, what can I do to help you get well? The second one is our physical wellness. So we are, we are creatures of energy and to have energy, have to create energy. So we got to be energy in motion. We need to move 20 minutes a day. So whether it's cleaning, walking, exercising, something, we need to move meditation. We move, we need to move 20 minutes a day. The third is our, um, uh, environment. So we want to get outside. When we get outside, we want to look around. We want to, we want to look at the colors. We want to smell things. We want to hear things. We want to look for different, na- you know, sounds in nature, you know, take a walk with our pet, you know, what, or take a walk with a friend, you know, and then the next one is intellectual wellness. What does that look like? So this is learning a new hobby, reading a book, challenging ourselves mentally, like uh, learning a new skill, you know, uh, on our job at school, you know, just something that brings us intellectual enjoyment or enlightenment. And then the next one is spirituality. Now this could be, you know, worshiping how we want to worship. That could be, again, meditation. Uh, It could be yoga. It could be church. It could be, sorry. No, you're fine. And then um, it could be, um, you you know, on church. Yep. You know, finding finding a you know something that great that makes us see that we are part of something greater than who we are okay. on a bigger scale. So how we all work together, and then um, the last one is uh, let's see here wellness, emotional wellness. So that means how we have to understand why we feel how we feel, and a lot of times when we go through a life lesson. If it brings us discomfort, we look at this as it being a negative. But sometimes when we're in a negative space that makes us feel uncomfortable, that's when we do our biggest growing personally. So instead of running from it, we need to take time to understand why this change, why this situation in my life makes me feel this way. So it's really becoming one with our emotions and why we feel that way. And just know that life isn't perfect. We're not perfect. Stress happens. We're going to have stress, anxiety. We're going to worry. We're going to have changes in relationships, things like that. And we need to know that this, this is common. But when things, just say, for instance, if you and I are, you know, if we had an agreement or we had a, just say we had a luncheon date and something came up and you said, Crystal, I, I need to, I had a change of plans come up. You know, I got to do something at work or I need to do something with my family. Can we reschedule? Sure. I say, sure, Danny, I get that. You know, I understand life happens and it's not about our time together. Yeah. I'm, I'm fresh. You know, I'm a little disappointed because I was looking forward to our time together, but I know that it's okay. But for somebody who has a mental health crisis or has, has a disorder, sometimes you can't, some plans could be devastating to them. It Mm -hmm. might trigger them. And then they feel that sense of abandonment or they feel that sense of they're not good enough. And then it just, opens up Pandora's box of just blackness, you know, in that place of emptiness that just takes over them like a tsunami. 
So these are things on a daily that we need to do, that we need to strive to, that what do, what can I do? What can Crystal do? What can Danny do every day that brings me joy, that brings me peace to where when I have the negative things in my life where I can bounce back so we can have resilience because life is about resilience. There's going to be lows, let the lows be low, but then we got to come back up. It's just like a bouncing ball. It's a dribble. So when on the uptake, what do we learn in that low spot to bring us up hot to where we were, but higher even because now we've learned something that we didn't know before. So now we're more aware and we can do maybe more things than what we thought we we're capable of because we had to go through that negative space. Okay. Okay. That little bit, that discomfort. Okay. Uh, with, with, with your education on this now, is, do you see a, is there a higher rate between males and females, boys and girls regarding suicide or, or is that? Yes. Unfortunately, males are 50% at a greater risk of dying by suicide than females. Females will attempt more, uh, but males will follow through. And right now uh, through COVID, we are finding that right now the suicide rate rose for white males over over, uh, 80 years of age because of losing loved ones and their, their support because of COVID and just by their generation, you know, death. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I will say with the, with the whole pandemic thing, which I remember hearing a news issue on this, but you know, we had children nowadays, you know, that this generation, we told them, Hey, you cannot really go outside. You cannot go play with your friends. You have to stay indoors. To me that that had to have been, or that, that could have been a, an issue that spiked the number. Cause I know for the fire department, we ran a couple more adolescent calls and normal, like mainly overdoses during that time period. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, right now, our, I mean, the statistics are over 500,000 people die per year by suicide. That's what's reported. And of course, you know, sometimes like what y'all see, um, if there is an overdose, you know, that may not be classified as a suicide. Right. But I'll be honest with you. I, I look at it like this, whether somebody meant to overdose or not, they were at a point where they just didn't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and just the, the overdose is a method, you know, and um, but, you know, those numbers sometimes are not in our suicidal rate numbers. Okay. Okay. But, um, um, that's not good. No, go ahead. I was done. Um. I have a four-year-old, so she's she's in preschool, but do you know if the schools, I guess starting middle school, definitely high school, are they are they teaching kids more about like bullying, harassment? Uh are are they are they teaching them things, you know, about maybe you know, look out if your friend or your peer is saying this type of thing to to be aware. Do you know of of any such program? I know that the schools around here, they have the, um, if you see something, say something. Okay. Um, I would like to say that our youth will utilize that. But here's the thing is we need to, and I, I do hope that the teachers and the school do implement that because peers want to help their peers. You know, children overall do not want to see harm come to the people they care about, right. especially at the younger age. And it also brings the light to that, you know, our for our five-year-olds are now learning classroom drills. You know, when we were in school, we were learning tornado drills. Now right. it's what to do if there's an active shooting Shooter. at school. Right. So we need to be cognizant as parents of what our children are being exposed to at an earlier age. And this is what can cause, you know, that we call this uh, in NAMI, we call this a double tap, which means that somebody may not even have a mental health disorder, but because of, a traumatic situation like these drills over, over a long term. And then the fear of, you know, seeing, seeing a shooter come into the schools or seeing something happen that these children should not even know exists in our world, but it's here. So we have to address the elephant in the room. We need to be able to have candid, open relationships and, and conversations with our children saying, you know, well, you know, um, about if, you know, how they're feeling about this, you know, 
if they're, if they're fearful, you know, if they're scared, you know, we, we need to meet our children where they are and make sure they, we give them a safe space to really talk to us and open up about that. Because I mean, this, this is a big, this is a big stressor. I mean, this, this is a fear, like I said, that children shouldn't even know about. I mean, even 9-11, the fear of 9-11, we also hear of anxiety just just from, you know, the, the standardized tests that they take, the end of grade testings. I mean, we hear children pulling their hair out with stressing over these tests. And now, you know, they got to do these drills on, you know, if your shooter should come in, what to do, you know, mm-hmm. and then what to do if there's not enough room behind the teacher's desk, where, where are you going to hide? All right. So, I mean, we just have, I mean, unfortunately, yes, I understand that schools and stuff are, you know, are limited on resources and things, but we have to make sure we're speaking the same, we're singing from the same sheet of music. And really we all had the same goal in mind is to protect our children at all costs and to make sure that they stay safe and that they get the best education they can. And part of being educated is teaching wellness. Okay. So, and I do, I do hope, I mean, I, unfortunately I don't have children in our school system right now. And I, and the ones I did do have relationships with, they've all graduated now. Mm-hmm. So it would be interesting to see, you know, if you get feedback uh, from the staff, any staff or anybody from the school of what they're doing, you know, on that, that would be right. great. To hear. Okay. Okay. Um, where could one go if they wanted to volunteer or help to become like a mental health advocate or, or peer support. Like what, uh, in case somebody's looking for information out there on, on how, on how to help. Oh, that is excellent. So, uh, a great starting point would be NAMI.org. Uh, and on the website, you can find your local affiliate. Our local affiliate with NAMI is, uh, Lake Norman Airedale. So you click on that and, um, it would come to me. And we have, like I said, we have training through NAMI that teaches us how to hold a support class, how to, how to hold a class for family to family, or even, um, uh, a peer class. So, and then also I, I really want to address this fact too, that if we know of anybody who has a mental health diagnosis, when they are talking to their clinician or their professional, ask them if they can uh, provide help, you know, through NAMI with their family members. Because a lot of professionals aren't even, you know, bringing into the, the, the indirect support with the family and the friends through NAMI and um, other, you know, groups that are doing this. I mean, a lot of people don't even know NAMI exists. I didn't even know NAMI existed until I reached out to them to get um you know, insurance for our 5k the first year. And I found out that my, my insurance, uh, agent was involved with NAMI. So we had yeah. a conversation and I was like, oh my gosh, their, their passion and their, their ideal that knowledge is power because I, I have, I have drilled this in my, I had drilled this in my children. And then, and even now it's even more important is to do better. We have to know better. Right. So like where I was, NAMI gave me a safe place to heal and to accept my, and I hate to say this, but my ignorance on mental health mm-hmm. and how to address it in my own home, you know, and I, I kept saying, you know, I looked at all the things that I didn't do, but I didn't know to do the things I know to do now because I did not know them. You didn't know. Right. You know, I was, I was relying upon the therapist. I thought taking him to his therapist appointments, you know, every two weeks, um, getting, you know, keeping him on his medication, you know, things like that being involved. I thought that was enough, but sometimes it's not enough. Sometimes we got to go deeper. And here's the thing too. I tell people if in your gut, if your gut instinct tells you something with your loved one or someone, you know, isn't right, chances are it's not right. Right. Moment, get them to the side, get them in private and go, Hey man, or Hey, you know, I noticed you're just not yourself. You know, how, how is everything with you? Do you want to talk about it? I'm here for you. I'm, I, I'll be here to listen to you, mm-hmm. you know, and like, just let people talk, you know, and we have to realize too, we need to be kinder and gentler too, with our words, you know, uh, mm-hmm. they brought, they brought, um, Mooresville high school brought in Jeff Yalden to do a uh, talk about suicide and bullying after, uh, Tristan was, the second suicide in four months at Morrisville High School in 2018. He was one of six youth in our local Lake Norman community to take his life in 2018. So they brought in a professional to do a talk, like an assembly talk with uh, ninth and 10th graders and then one for the 11th and 12th graders. 
Well, I was, but me and my husband were sitting there. Now, Tristan had just passed away two weeks before this, this um, assembly. Behind me, you know, the topic came up is, you know, people, it came up that, you know, some youth had said, well, I, you'd just be better off dead. We need to realize as a person, our words uh, bring action. It may not be us who is responsible or cause somebody to feel that way, but our words can break people down. And if they're already in a vulnerable place, you know, it's saying, you just, you know, I just wish you would die. Won't you just go ahead and kill yourself? You know, you people don't realize that they're actually planting the seed mm -hmm. and that is committing murder. I mean, it, it's our words bring life and we need to be careful with the words we use. Our words can either break somebody down or build somebody up. You know, and I think that we overall could be could do a better job of building others up instead of tearing them down to make us as a as an individual feel better about ourselves of where we are. Yeah. Yeah. No, because um, because as you stated, you know, um, I go back and think of the term ignorance is bliss. You have a lot of people out there where when a suicide does occur. You know, some of them might might make the statement of, oh, well, you know, maybe the parents weren't involved. There are plenty of cases where the parents had a really good relationship with the child or significant other or whoever it was, and they just didn't see it coming. Sure. And I'm going to tell you, um, it's true. And, you know, here's the thing is we can't wait to be reactive. We have to be proactive. We have to be preventive. This is preventative health care now. So how can we go about doing this? Like I said, I, 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 um, I ask people to get involved, like I said, with NAMI, uh, get, in, get involved with Davidson Lifeline, get involved with your church youth. You know, you can be a mental health mentor without getting involved with NAMI. NAMI is a good place, though, because it, it, it's, it's the um, same message. So I, and I like that. And I like it, too, that they have a way of doing their support groups and, and um, things of that nature. And we also help bring together resources because we use each other's personal experiences to, um, you know, talk about things that work, things that don't work, the chaos. You know, I have, I've met beautiful families who they have, they, they have grown kids that still live at home because they can't live alone with their mental health disorder. And they've not shared with outside the family with outside, outside the mom and dad because of the stigma and just mm -hmm. the negativity that surrounds mental health, you know, and they go, well, you know, I just know somebody's not going to fall through with the suicide threat. They just want attention. Okay. So why then we need to ask ourselves, why do they feel the need to use taking their life as a way to get attention? What are they lacking from maybe their loved ones that they're not getting that we could help them, you know, make a positive change. Right. Right. No. That, that's where, mm -hmm, that's where yeah. it needs to go. I mean, and it's just preventative. And I'm, I'm, I put myself in that category was, is ignorance is bliss. Yeah. It's all bliss until it hits your house. Mm -hmm. And then your whole, you have to find a new normal and you're celebrating Christmas without your loved one. Because I'll be honest with you, Christmas at our house was never about the gifts. I mean, we, Christmas was not really huge outside of the, you know, the, why we celebrated Christmas, Jesus's birthday, right. Santa Claus brought three, three presents to our kids every Christmas. They knew they were getting three gifts from Santa Claus because three gifts is what Jesus got when he was born. And that's what our kids got. Cause I always told them gifts can come and go. Gifts can be bought. Our loved ones. We only get one of you. Once yeah. you're gone, there's no replacing you. You are special and unique how you are. And without our loved ones, the special times aren't that special anymore. Mm -hmm. Now, be fair, I, I feel it's, it's taken me, I'm still getting over it, but every Christmas I feel torn because I have a child, a beautiful 25 year old that as she's thriving, she's got a beautiful life that she's starting for herself. And I love my son-in-law. When I pray for a son-in-law, I couldn't have got a better one, but you know, my heart is still torn in two. I have this big dark hole in my heart that will never be filled again. Never. Holy. And, you know, and my husband and I ask ourselves, are you happy? You know, and our response is I'm as happy as I can be because with the circumstances, yes, you get over it. Yes, you, you can get, you get back to a new norm, but it's never, ever the same. Right. So I just want to stress suicide is not an option. And I heard that from Mr. David Wisnett talk to me and my husband when we first met him. And he said, suicide is not an option. 
and it is so true. Nothing should get be to be uh, to get, nobody should get to a place where they feel like taking their life is the best the best resolution. And I will never forget when I was taking my my um my rap class, my wellness action recovery plan to be a peer support specialist in my class. Um, this really resonated with me. And as a parent, I'm sure this will resonate with, um, most, some other parents is I kept saying, Tristan knew better. I don't understand why he took it upon himself to make a life ending decision when he knew better. I taught him better. We had more conversations where he knew he could come to me and he didn't come to me. And he said, Crystal, he said, as a parent, you know, we raise our children to a set of standards. He goes, but just like in your son's, your son's uh, life journey, if he knew how to do better, he would have done better. He didn't know any other way to make the pain stop than to just make it stop altogether. Right. It was in that moment, you know, it was just that one moment, you know, that just took, you know, our whole life and just made it to where, where it is now, you know, and it's, and I said, you know, I've met more people in this group of the suicide, you know, group and the suicide family, you know, where we share stories and we share the outcome, you know, and I'm going to be honest with you. I've met, I've talked to people that a suicide happened with their loved one, 20 years, 25 years, 30 years. We never get over it. Your loved one never gets over it until they take their last breath. Yeah. And for anybody listening that, that has any, any sort of, mental health, they're going through something. If you're listening to it, I will say in my experience being a first responder, you know, I would imagine that the individual that feels like, Hey, I'm going to do this. They think, well, I'll leave my family. I'll leave my friends better off. But you got to remember if you do go through with it, there's going to be so many questions left unanswered by the family, by the friends, by whoever finds you of, man, like, did I miss something? Why? And and they'll never be able to get that closure. Mm. Uh, and, and, and I don't think a lot of them, I'm not saying I don't think a lot of them, a lot of them see it as, hey, I'm gone. I'll be, I'll be out of their hair. But there's so many things left unanswered at the end of it. Um, I go back to, we had a call, it was a couple of years ago. Um, uh, a father, a husband, he decided to take his own life, but how he did it and the timing that he did it, his daughter was getting married the next day. He was supposed to walk his daughter down the aisle and he ended up committing suicide. We found him in the garage and the family was out on the lake and you can hear them. And it's just in my head, I'm like, man, like, I don't know what the issues were with him and I'm not judging, but you're going to leave your daughter to, mm. to wonder what happened the day before she gets married? Like, I just, it's, it's, it's rough. It's, 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 it's a rough thing. And and I hate the stigma that comes behind it because when a first responder goes, Hey, because what we see or what first responders around this nation see every day, we're not wired to see this. Mm -mm. Like no humans wired to see, just like when you go to the military, you go out armed forces, what you do out there, what you see, we're not wired for that. We're not machines. We're humans. We have emotions. They tell us during, you know, recruit class, rookie school, wherever you want to call it, keep your emotions in check. And as a professional, you're supposed to, but there's going to be a breaking point. And mm -hmm. that's why a lot of, you know, uh, armed forces, first responders, you know, when they have issues, they, they, and they don't really want to get the true help. They look towards like alcohol, drugs, infidelity, whatever they got to do to cope, even though there aren't really good coping mechanisms. And so me, I, I'm, I am, I'm actually getting ready at the end of May. I'm going down to take a class in Wilmington on like peer support, because mm -hmm. it's very easy for someone to say, Hey man, if you got a problem, call me, I'm here to listen, talk, but you better be willing to back that up when an individual does call you and go, Hey, I'm having a problem. What are you going to do? You right. can't just go, um, hey man, I'm busy. You know, I'll call you back. Like that could be that per that that person's last time that you're hearing them before they do do something. So, right. 
I, I'm, I just want to get the, get the word out. Like it's okay not to be okay. Regardless mm-hmm. of what you do for a living, you don't have to be a first responder to go through these mental health issues. You can be anything from doctors to working at the grocery store, or working at Walmart, especially nowadays in this society where you every time you turn on the news, it's another school shooting, college shooting, mass shooting. Um, we as humans can't have not arguments, I want to say, but we can't debate without hurting another's feelings like we need to be able to listen to what the other person's saying process it and then rebuttal back but now it's just we're quick to judge you know mm-hmm. and i feel like this especially 2023 like i tell my wife all the time did we do the right thing by bringing our young daughter into this world because so many things have changed and it, right. it, it it's scary it's a scary thing yeah it is and that that's that's part of it you know is just you know fear you know, there's fear now in our external world that we, our, my age group, I mean, I'm 51 and we didn't have this, right? you know, um, and, you know, we just had this conversation too during our home front class is, you know, I remember, you know, especially with people raising, you know, the thing about gun control, I remember being in high school and there were rifles in the back, you know, hanging on the back the window, right. you know, hunting after after school, but there were no school shootings. Right. There were no, there were no gun gunfights, so to speak. Now there were fist fights. Yes. But I think when we take when we took out a safe space and for for our country, we we have allowed division to come and not listen to each other. And you know, here's the thing is at the end of the day, we don't have to think alike. It's okay to agree to disagree. Right. I I see things in a different light than you know, my husband, a lot of times, like we don't, we don't, we're not like-minded on some topics and there's some very personal, passionate topics. And I'm just going to be like, you know what, we just need to table this because it's not getting anywhere. We're not solving anything. You know, we've talked it out. Uh, let's just, let's just agree to disagree and let's mm-hmm. move along. I mean, mm-hmm. cause that's the day. it's not, you know, you got to realize is it worth severing a relationship? And, you know, and I hate to say this, but social media has become a platform <laughs> for people just to shoot off you know, uh, messages before we think about it, because, you know, we don't have to see somebody on the street, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe these people that live half, half away around the country, mm-hmm. just like, um, we had somebody that we know posted about our story. They were on the West coast, thousands of miles away, weren't involved with what happened. And, but he was rallying about gun control. Um, I have to say the gun was, the, was a resource. It was a weapon. Um, Tristan had just moved his truck. He could have just as easily rolled up on another car in his truck. He could have easily used one of his knives. Hmm. What am I going to do? Um, you know, like take everything away from somebody that could cause right. harm. I mean, that could be anything if they, mm-hmm. if they want it bad enough, it could be yeah. anything. But here's the thing is, um, you know, we just need to, you know, they were like, well, just imagine that, that where I was going with this was, you know, he had posted, just imagine how his dad feels and his mom feels um, you know, knowing that their son used a gun that he had, it's like, you know, I can't change that. Tristan knew what it meant to use a gun. He was an avid hunter with my husband. We respect life. We respect each other. And at the end of the day, it wasn't a gun problem. It's, it was, it was a person, it was a personal problem. Um, you know, the thing of it was, was that unfortunately the means was there, um, you know, for him to carry through with with that impulsive behavior again how do we go about stopping it before it gets to that point because it shouldn't get to that point how the million dollar question is how can we give people and ourselves a safe space without letting all this anger and frustration fester and us give in to the lie that we're a burden you know, that uh, it's our job to be the the um, the justice system, you know, sometimes that turns into that mm-hmm. or just getting so angry to where you turn uh, homicidal. And it's not all mental health. I mean, some I mean, you know, murder is murder. No matter how we look at it, taking a human life, it's it's not normal. That's not what we're, that's not what we're called to do. We are called to love each other as ourselves. And I think that we need to get back to that. We need a, it doesn't, you know, um, it, you know, it's all great that we have, you know, these nice homes, 
you know, and nice cars and nice things. And of course we want to give our family, you know, nice things and everything and, and security. But the most important thing is we need to give, we need to give our loved ones love and, and patience and reassurance. And outside of that, we need to start doing a better job of loving our neighbor as ourselves. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I have waved at our neighbors or, you know, said, Hey, and they look at me like, I don't know you. Why are you, why are you, why are you waving at me? <laughs> I mean, you know, and then I'm like, well, okay, then, you know, I was, you know, okay. You know, and I can't, I'm not going to lie and say it doesn't really bother me, but I mean, it kind of hurt, you know, it hurts my feelings, but you know, but you got to put it out there. It's like, well, you're just trying to do a friendly thing. Right. Right now. I, 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 I totally get that because so I'm a Northern, I'm from New York. So when we moved down here, you know, people go, they wave and I'm like, I don't know them. And it's like, right. I'm not, we're not used to that. Cause right. I can tell you, we don't do that up north. Everybody's like minding their own business. So that was like a culture shock when you came down here and your neighbors, Hey, good morning. You're like, Hey, morning. Like, yeah. this is what you do. So it's like, okay, okay. It's an adjustment, but no, you well, know, I, I, get I mean, it. I get it both sides, I, but yeah. But, you know, it's just the little things, you know, but, you know, I, if I, if I had a, and the message too, I want to add to yours too, Danny, is that for people who are struggling with mental health, do not give in to the lie in your brain that says you are a burden. If anybody today or any day has ever had the mindset that they are a burden, let me just, dis, let me just dispute that. And let me just diffuse that thought and say, don't give in to the lie. You're not a burden. You're greatly loved. And listen, just, I know that where if, if you're having a bad moment and you're in that, that negative uh, head space and you're just thinking you just want to end it all right here, just take a moment and just breathe and, and just let it go and just move around and just change your space where you're at, you know, go out, take a walk, take five minutes for yourself. And I promise you just give yourself five minutes and just reflect on it. And then, and just take that moment to ask for help, because I'm going to tell you something, this moment in your life are the moments that have led you up to this. It's one moment of a big life. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say this from a selfish, from a selfish place is I know what it's like to lose a loved one, a son to suicide and some other of our friends um, have lost loved ones to suicide. Don't do it. Please don't do it. If you're thinking about it, don't give in, don't give in to the darkness ask for help, call 988, reach out to somebody. And if you don't get to somebody you're looking for, call 988 or text 741741. I mean, help to 741741. Get, get somebody that you can talk to now. Now. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I couldn't have said it any better than that. So if, if anybody knows anybody out there that that's having issues and it's okay to have these issues, please think about it like you said take a breather i mean we all get to a point where things that that might just seem like the easy way out but nobody wins in that situation when, when it comes to that yep. nobody wins and danny i'll i'll bring it uh, to another point too is um you know if if y'all know anybody in the community i've tried to reach out through different um townships i will be more than happy to offer that qpr class um to the police department, fire department, first responders, whatever for free. I mean, uh, I am certified. So we can, we actually, it's a, it's an hour and a half long class and you, everybody, I mean, you can become a certified gatekeeper. So you learn how to answer the questions, how to look for the indirect and the direct clues and the different behavioral changes and the, and the uh, emotional changes within the loved one to be able to help somebody. It's like, it's, it's QPR. It's, question, persuade, refer, but it's CPR for the mind, not the brain. So it's just another tool in your toolbox on how to help somebody, how to help somebody save a life. And anybody can be a gatekeeper. It doesn't have to be a professional. Okay. All we have to do is listen and ask the question, will you let me help you? You know, okay. and say, just stay calm. And I know it's scary and it's scary. It's a scary topic, but people don't realize suits. 50% of our population has thought of suicide at one time or another. It is normal. Mm -hmm. It's not normal to follow through with it. Right. Right. But it is normal to have thoughts of like, Hmm, I wonder what this would be like if I'm not here anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. um, Crystal, I appreciate having you on here. I'm going to have you stay on after, after, uh, after this recording, uh, that way I can get some information. And what I'll do is I'll link it 
um, when, when this episode drops, I'll link every every avenue that somebody can reach out to for help. Um, so our listeners can either get the help that they need, or if they know somebody, go, hey, you know, I'm just thinking about you. Here's a number, or here's such and such where you could potentially get help. So I do appreciate you coming on, sharing your story, and um, getting this what's known as a negative stigma out there where it's okay not to be okay. It is because we're all, we've all been there and, you know, and like I said, we're all, we're all perfectly imperfect and we just embrace where we are and just know, like I said, I keep going back to this. I'm like, this too shall pass. It's one moment. It's a blink of an eye that can make, that can change somebody's world just like that. Right. Right. Well, I I appreciate having you on here. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. Thank you.